Not even fans of Tai Trang and Beast Mode Cowboy do more shipping than Amazon.com. Get the best deals on everything you need and help support Rob as a podcast when you start your Amazon shopping with our link, robaswebsite.com slash Amazon. Or for our friends in Canada, it's robaswebsite.com slash Amazon CA. From my apartment, it's Rob has a podcast, and now here's a guy who, much like Jennifer, also gets himself in a lot of trouble with his mouth. Rob Sestrino, hello everybody, and welcome back to our feedback show for Survivor Co. Wrong, episode number two, following a week where we did our live know-it-alls out here in LA, and we had a great podcast with Natalie Anderson, had a lot of fun talking through everything with natalie on the recap show definitely check that out if you haven't done so yet of course we also did our exit interview uh which we will talk about with today's guest on the show antonio mazzaro who is my co-host for many different projects on post-show recaps notably the better call Saul recap which we do every monday on the show so very big week of podcasts that we've done here on R-H-A-P, including a Big Brother Canada preview. Big Brother Canada 4 is right around the corner. I'll be doing that on Friday afternoon and some other podcasts coming up along the way. So happy you're here. Hope you're locked in. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go to robbiswebsite.com slash iTunes, or you could even get the Rob as a Podcast app at robbiswebsite.com slash app for iOS or Android. All right, let's bring in my good friend here on the voicemails that you can hear him on many of the different podcasts that we do on post-show recaps, including our Better Call Saul recap that we do every week after the new episodes of Better Call Saul. Plus, he's also on most shows recapped and plenty of other stuff on post-show recaps. And we love to get him here on the Survivor voicemails. Here is the great Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio. Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio. Antonio Mazzaro. How do you like that theme music? This is the defendant, Antonio Mazzaro. I don't know why I'm the defendant, Rob. Why can't I be the plaintiff? I don't know. I made myself the defendant. That's probably not the best idea. Anyway, that's great. I love it. I'm very happy. You just incriminate yourself worse than Jennifer Lanzetti. I'm I'm standing up as we're podcasting right now, Rob, and I'm telling you, please do not find me guilty in the people's court. That was great. Thank you. Shut up, Tim. As a lawyer, is this exhibit A of why they don't have people take the stand often? Yeah, you you can seriously say say some things that get yourself into trouble. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the Fourth Amendment uh, and the Fifth Amendment, uh, you know, getting yourself there and uh, talking yourself, they don't apply in Survivor. You have to go to tribal council. And when Jeff calls on you, you can try to play coy, but uh, after you haven't had a lot of sleep and you haven't had a lot of food and maybe a bug's been digging in your ear, I guess it's kind of hard to keep it cool. Mr. Avery, did you or did you not intend to murder Teresa Hallback? Well, I got to say, it was all up in the air during the day. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Well, you know, you go through some things. You have to decide whether you want to yeah, murder or I not. I didn't right? actually do it. We right, just people it, were talking about it. At the end of the day, I'm not a murderer. We're in an alliance. I'm not going to murder anybody. Yeah. Yeah. This is, no, this is fine. I mean, yeah, you can have thoughts. Yeah, it was her idea. I didn't <laughs> even come up with the idea to do it. 
<laughs> too soon? Too soon on these jokes, Rob? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But <laughs> I don't yeah, know. This is a, this is the thing. You can't talk your way into. I mean, you could talk your way into just about anything. And I think making a murderer makes that pretty clear. Uh, and this is Jeff Probst. Listen, uh, he should move up to Manitowoc County and maybe get in some interrogations because those tribal councils, by all accounts, and you can say more about this, Rob. They uh, he likes to get what he can out of those tribal councils. Yeah, that would be great if there was a lawyer on Survivor at some point, like at a tribal council, where Jeff is like really just going after somebody and like having them like really just dig their own grave like objection your honor badgering the witness (laughs) hearsay your honor this is hearsay yeah permission to treat the tribe made us hostile your honor let's let's go forward jeff would say like hey hold on there you're out of order like this whole council's out of order (laughs) this would be fantastic maybe jeff could show up dressed like matlock like in a white suit you know Wow. Uh, I don't know. I, I would be, it would be great to have a lawyer on Survivor do anything, Rob. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, the performance is really. What if they wear a beanie? Yeah. Well, okay. Not, not do anything. I guess there are some limits to what I would want a lawyer to do on Survivor, but there hasn't been the, the most successful, really, lawyer performances on Survivor are few <laughs> and far between, I think. We really have not seen, I don't believe, a lawyer take sort of like the TV courtroom performance to tribal council. Well, we've seen it in uh, final tribal with a lawyer questioning people like Eliza, mm-hmm. uh, but we haven't really seen, yeah, the, the lawyer really stand up and give that great speech where they win the hearts and minds, the Alan Shore from Boston Legal, the uh, James Spader character, or, or the Matlock. We haven't, we haven't seen someone leap up from the jury and say, it was me! <laughs> yeah, other than T-Bird. Yeah. Oh, the T-Bird, right. Yeah, there <laughs> it was you go. me. Okay, so we're going to go through all of your voicemails here today on the voicemail feedback show and very excited to get into those. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about last night's episode and Jennifer Lanzetti and that whole saga. Antonio, did you have a chance to listen to the live know-it-alls show from last night? I did. I did. And uh, I, I wish I had been there. There's a what's it called when it's FOMO, but it's already happened. Like your fear that you did miss out, like I <laughs> photo or whatever. Yeah, it happened. Photo. What does the D stand of, for? Fear of did miss out. Fod fodom. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I have it. Because fear I did miss out. That's yes. Fidmo. <laughs> Fidmo. I have serious Fidmo, Rob. I really feel like I missed something there. It sounded like everybody was having a great time. Uh, it sounded like there was some social lubricant in play, if you will. Uh, and it really just uh, it looked like uh, apparently you were at one point presiding over some sort of uh, Jewish ceremony where it was uh, you were the Gentile on the stage. I heard that that was a that was a big hit among everybody that I, I really feel like I missed out. Yeah, some people were calling that out on Twitter that I was up on the stage with Fishback and Penner and Max and Corinne. And they said <laughs> it was like uh, a my bar mitzvah where I got together with all of my Jewish friends. And so yeah, that's that's great. We did a countdown with Akiva back on the holiday special of the greatest Jewish survivor players. And uh, yeah, most of them are, are my friends. Yeah, that, that's I'm a good to, thing. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh, maybe that's what I'm looking for. It's good to have. I mean, your your Torah was beautiful, Rob. The way that you sang and recited it was it was gorgeous. You listen. Congratulations on the bar mitzvah. The checks in the mail. So, and hopefully Darnell wasn't scheduled to bring that check to me. No. Uh. Yeah. Well, I think it'll still get there unless he, you know, he has to listen to his gut at some point. Okay. So then uh, I should say, hopefully, it wasn't a check sent by Jatia. <laughs> yes, that is the check that I don't know if it's ever going to come. That's yeah. correct. Boy, how good was Penner on on the Know It All show last night? 
Penner is so great. And um, honestly, the pop that Penner got was like WrestleMania level. He like enters from the crowd. Oh my God, that's Jonathan Penner's music. Yeah. And everybody's going wild and the cheering and somebody posts a picture and he's got like two drinks, one in each hand and he's on one leg. And I'm like, what is Jonathan Penner doing? He kind of so, snuck in. People didn't know he was there. Like everybody else, I think that they knew who was there. But then I think that it was sort of, I didn't even know 100% if he was coming or not. So I didn't announce it or anything like that. And then he was there. And then it was like a yeah big, like a Royal Rumble type entrance for Penner. Yeah, I think the lesson learned is surprise Penner uh, needs to be at every KIA. Like, surprise Penner is great Penner. (laughs) He killed it. Uh, I was just saying after the show that I felt like, you know, he just came out of the bullpen and throwing 100 miles an hour. He really was, uh, like, came in at the right place at the right time. Uh, But anyway, so that was a lot of fun uh, last night. How about the exit interview? Did you happen to hear what Jennifer had to say about all this in the exit interview podcast? I did. And I, I really like Jennifer. I think that it's I think that it's tough. I think that, you you know, you you know this better than anybody, as I said earlier, but you get out there on Survivor and it really seems like the effects of being there in the heat and not drinking water and not eating and all these sorts of things really do get to people in different ways. And I think that her her mistake seems to be that. She's got a lot of things in her head, let's say, mm-hmm. is ideas and bugs, uh, <laughs> and that some of those ideas about whether you're supposed to go out there and play hard, uh, listening to all the voices that are saying, make big moves, treat it like your second chance. And she's kind of out there sort of spinning and thinking she should do certain things. She got herself into trouble and couldn't dig her way out. At least the way it was edited seemed like she was digging the hole at Tribal, but in the interviews and in everything other, other than that, it certainly seems like she, the hole was already there and she was trying to climb out. What do you think as a person who has listened to all of that? I'm sure that the truth is probably somewhere in between her recollection and what we saw on the show. How would you say it ultimately went down? Well, I can't wait for and what I tweeted after the episode is I can't wait for David Bloomberg's uh, Why Blank Lost Survivor podcast because he really does do kind of the extra thing where he, he listens to all the secret scenes. He kind of tweets at the survivors and asks them direct questions about what their thinking was going in. And I think that podcast is great. Last week's on Darnell's was fantastic because it really does kind of fill in the blanks sometimes. And I think there are blanks to be filled in here. Uh, Kyle Jason, Hitman, uh, Sarge, whatever uh, you want to call him, he seemed to indicate that their mind was made up going into tribal, that they were ready to get rid of Jenny, and that was that. And so I think that, I think that I'm more in line with that, that there were some things that happened throughout the day, uh, and that Jenny is kind of being on the level when she's saying, you know, I thought I was going out when I got to tribal, and what you saw wasn't me digging my own grave and, and sealing my fate. It was actually me fighting for my life, knowing that my life was in jeopardy. And so I think that's probably more along the lines of of what it was. It it made for great TV the way it was edited. And I think in these early boots, that's all you can really ask for. But I do think that the story was probably that the the madness that that occurred had had germinated earlier than that at camp. Uh, Somebody put a bug in somebody's ear and that was that. All right, let's get to our voicemails. And why don't we start with Shannon, who is calling us from Australia. Hey, Robin Antonio. This is Shannon from Sydney, Australia. Rob, last week you said that even if Jen were to go on to win the game, she'd probably still be remembered for the bug in her ear. Now with her going out just one episode later, I'm not quite sure that's the case. In years to come, what will we remember Jennifer Lanzetti for? The bug in her ear or her epic tribal council implosion? Let me know your thoughts. Love you, babe. (laughs) Okay. Really interesting question. How will we remember Jennifer? When the years go by and the history books are written and the evolutions of strategy are recorded, will we remember her more for this tribal council or the bug in the ear? 
I, I mean, to me, the two are almost inextricably linked. And maybe that's because we don't have the benefit of, you know, the years gone by. I feel like the years going by, people are going to start thinking those things happen in the same episode. You know how history works, Rob. Like we forget the details and we forget, oh, you know, this happened, this. I think we're going to say she got a bug in her ear. She went crazy. She went home. I think that that's how we're going to play this out because ultimately I really think that both things are very memorable. It's hard to forget the bug in the ear as a thing that happened on Survivor. I mean, I know there have been spider bites and other bug incidents on Survivor, but this was so graphic, and the way it was presented was very horror movie-like and very memorable. I don't think we're going to forget that, um, despite the fact that her tribal council performance nearly overshadows it. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to remember Jennifer as a person who got a bug in her ear and kind of uh, really blew up her game almost immediately thereafter. Uh, what, what do you think? You Last night in the know-it-alls with Stephen... You guys, there. You know the the debate was: Has a person ever dug their grave that you know that quickly? Like, had they ever gone from being on the inside to the outside so quickly? And I'm I'm wondering: uh, Is that what you're going to remember? Or are you going to remember one of these two specific incidents or both? To me, I feel like that's the third thing that I would potentially remember, and that seems like the most forgettable part of all of this. To me, I still think that the bug in the ear is number one. I think that we're never going to forget that. I think that's the stuff of nightmares. That yeah. sort of like for o'clock in the morning when I wake up sometimes and I go to the bathroom and then I come back and I go back try to go back to sleep and I can't fall back asleep and all sorts of horrible thoughts start to run through my head I feel like that that will always be something that's in the rotation there of a bug could go in my ear <laughs> man I want to know what else is in that rotation but it's I want to ask podcast, you to put it on the podcast. yeah 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 uh, I then say number two the second most memorable thing that I will remember is that she stood up on the stool at tribal council and said, everybody, you have to listen to me. You have to believe me. I will never forget that moment either. I feel like that those are two huge things. And then sort of the circumstance about how she was in with Scott and Jason and then she tried to make the women's alliance and it ultimately didn't go her way. I feel like that's sort of like a distant third. I think that that is something that could eventually be forgettable in a year or two. Yeah, that's the strategy moment where you do record the evolutionist strategies because you want to look back and see how it all came apart. Because all you remember is the bug in the ear and her leaping up onto the stool at tribal and standing there like a like a freaking like i don't know like a, some kind of preacher and like she photoshop a bible into her hand and she's sort of giving a sermon i mean she really did like look look touched look possessed like something was going on there uh, and that was that was awesome like that is a, a visual image as far as tribal councils go that we haven't really seen much like that uh, in the in the course of Survivor history. So it is very memorable. Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like uh, yeah, she's doing like a Jax Teller at the end of Sons of Anarchy. I don't really even know what the move was, but uh, I won't forget it. All right, but here's what I want to know, Antonio. So this might be a little bit of something that we might uh, consider doing in a future volume of the evolution strategy, but that's still five years away. So let me talk about it here. Is Jennifer Lanzetti, does she crack the Mount Rushmore of second boots? Oh, yeah. This is a great question, right? Like, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think you, I don't know. Have you, did, I don't, you didn't make your second. No, boot maybe that's official. something. Maybe, maybe for volume four of the evolution strategy, perhaps in the, in the five years between now and then, maybe I could work on that. But this is different to me. This is the Mount Rushmore. Uh, and that's, this is not best players. Okay. That would be a best player list of the second boots that would factor in circumstances. This is the Mount Rushmore of second boots. 
And so does she crack that list? Now, again, forget about all-star seasons. Don't tell me Shireen or Rudy or anybody that played in an all-star season. Okay. So hmm, take okay. out Stephanie LaGrosa, people like that. I've got to change my thinking then. Okay. I was, I was immediately going to that. No, no, we're not going there. Okay. So second boot. Mount Rushmore, I think that the first person in the second boot, Mount Rushmore, give me Billy Garcia. Yeah, we've talked. I, I, that's the part I remember from the uh, from the evolutionist strategy. I know for a fact that you labeled Billy Garcia the best second boot of all time, most memorable because it, it most memorable. It was tweeted at him, uh, and he was very proud of this. This is a uh, this is some sort of distinction that Billy had earned, and Billy was proud of this fact. And I think he retweeted it to all eighty thousand of his followers that he you know he was <laughs> proud to be the most memorable second boot in Survivor history. I like that. Who else is on this Mount Rushmore? Hold your head up high, William. Okay. Uh, BB, the, uh, recently departed BB. I don't know if he's on the Mount Rushmore. I guess he's probably in the maybe pile. Kel Gleason. He's got the beef jerky thing. I think that's another maybe, uh, Jesse Camacho. Um, that's a pass. Patricia from Marquesas. I think that's a pass as well. Tanya Vance, uh, with all due respect to her and Janet Coth. Yeah, I was going to say Janet from Amazon. Yeah, that's a pass for me. Uh, the great Skinny Ryan. I think they were going to uh, pass there. Then it was All Stars. Uh, Dolly Neely. I don't think is going to make the cut. Uh, then we get into the double digit seasons where we get now. I don't know if we're counting Wanda and Jonathan. I don't know, but I don't think that's the traditional. One of the most forgettable survivors of all time is Ashley Ashby. Uh, she is not on the Mount Rushmore. Again, this is where we're in the like the no man's land of the super forgettable second boots until we get to Billy Garcia. Morgan McDevitt is a second boot uh, that nobody remembers. Melinda Hyder, <laughs> another one. <laughs> no, that, none of these. So this is a hard Mount Rushmore. Like none of these are are, are carve worthy here. So Billy Garcia is definitely sure. there. Okay, and then I think we get into what about uh what about Garrett Adelstein, Rob? Garrett Adelstein is another one. That is from a three tribe season that could be up there. So, all right. So if it's Billy Garrett, then we also have from. I got another name for you, I think. I don't don't want to put all men on this Mount Rushmore, but I think Garrett and Vince Sly. Vince Sly is another great one. Yeah, this is. Boy, I don't want to have all men in there. Does Jennifer Lanzetti, (laughs) can she crack this all greatest second boots. Uh, we have also Jillian is another one. Well, that's pretty good. I think that the rest of it would guys- be a bummer for me to not be on the list, Rob. You'd have to make the mountain out of elephant dung. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> your list is dung. Uh, you also have uh, two show Shannon, uh, Shannon Elkins, but I think out of principle. Oh, yeah, Survivor Shannon asked this question, so uh, we, 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 you know, the first question we turned into this. So yeah, it yeah, was a Shannon. This is real. This is a really, really hard. Uh, you have Matt Elrod, who is technically the second boot from a season, but then he went on to have a much longer run in the show. Boy, to me, this is uh, this is very, very tough. Now, when we're starting to look at some of this competition, I'm not sure about Jennifer Lanzetti. I think that we won't forget the bug thing. The problem is that overall, she wasn't like a kooky right. character. I think that the char- kooky character is going to be what sort of remember is remembered. So I don't know, but I have to make a call here. I feel like that the recency bias is saying yes, but usually that's a factor that it's not going to be borne out by history. I feel like if it's Billy, Vince, Garrett, is Garrett definitely? No, I don't think he's a definite. I, I mean, I think that Garrett's almost more memorable for 
the uh, exit interview that you did with him than he <laughs> is for his actual boot. Uh, although he did really kind of get himself into trouble with the, no one can talk. Let's just sit here. I don't want to do any talking. We're just going to do this. And then uh, he, he he sort of makes his own demise by not playing the game uh, rather than playing the game. So that's interesting. And it is memorable. The Kel beef jerky thing, does that it help It doesn't him? hurt. Let's put it that way. It is definitely there. Uh, that's something. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, there may be. I mean, I... I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think if there are anything else. Anything else that jumps to the head, but nothing really. I mean, that is uh, that is very very memorable for sure. And I think that it's hard to not think of like everyone remembers almost everything that happened in Australia. So of course the second boot's going to jump right to our heads for sure. So Billy Vince Sly, <laughs> Jennifer Lanzetti. Cal Gleason. Subject to change. This is just for the model of the second boot, Mount Rushmore. Subject to change. Let's see how we feel about yeah. that in five years. The Mount Rushmore of second boots. But uh, kudos to uh, Billy Garcia once again. All right. So then working off of that, let's continue talking about this uh, tribal council from last night. And so let's take this question, which is from Chris Bragg. Hi, Rob. This is Chris from Chicago. Let me put a bug in your ear with this question. Was that the all-time worst meltdown at a tribal council in Survivor history? Can you think of anything that compares? Antonio, we're talking about the worst tribal council meltdowns that have happened. And again, it's sort of a bit of a gray area, not gray matter, a gray area in terms of where, how exactly it all still went down. We talked about with Natalie the comparisons between the Drew Christie Tribal Council, but again, uh, he the, the die had already been cast going into that Tribal Council. So, what do you think? I think that uh, it is it is up there. I mean, the, there are other. I mean, the Danielle Di Lorenzo kind of moment where you feel like Russell has just pushed her so far into a corner, and she starts pushing back. I think that that's for me the heroes versus villains there. What is, I forget what that you talk about, like a lawyer badgering a witness and kind of a courtroom style <laughs> moment when Danielle sort of almost accidentally blurts out like I'm a lot closer to poverty than you think or whatever she says. I feel like that mm-hmm. is that's huge, like in the way that the where that occurs in the game and the way that's presented and how Russell has really just sort of pushed her into that. It seems like the way that that's presented. I feel like that is something that really jumps out to my mind for sure as being a very, very memorable tribal count, tribal council meltdown. Um, I'm wondering what else, what is there anything else that jumps right to your mind? You know, a lot more action is happening at tribal council, but I feel like that a lot of that action tends to involve the hidden immunity idol and people playing the hidden immunity idol when they wouldn't have otherwise. But I feel like in terms of how this ultimately went down, and if it ultimately went down at Tribal Council. I feel like that is pretty Yeah, rare. I feel like we were just talking about Garrett Adelstein, and we talked about how he's a memorable second boot. Part of why he's a memorable second boot is his meltdown out there because of all the things he had done kind of preseason to get into the game and because of how the game got in his head and, and how he sort of melts down a little bit at camp where he's talking about don't you know not letting anybody have an open forum, not letting private conversations happen. But then if you remember, he gets to tribal council and he, he really does put his foot in his mouth. He starts referring to the tribe as an alliance. Uh, Probst really calls him out on some of his inconsistencies and he, he really fumbles around with it. I recently rewatched that season and, and Garrett is really bad at that second tribal council. So that strikes me as, as, as definitely a, a big meltdown. I mean, Jennifer's looks like a big meltdown in theory. 
because the way the episode presents it, it's not clear that she's already the boot going into the tribal council. But I'm not sure that there weren't some minds changed at that tribal council in Kagiyan, uh, and that Garrett didn't kind of seal his fate with what happened at the tribal council. You know, we also see a lot of times where somebody does a great job making the case for themselves, where it wasn't so much like Alicia was doing such a great job arguing for herself, but in what we saw, she was sort of like perfect in sort of damning Jennifer further, like going back to when it was the decision between Spencer and Jatia back in Kagiyan of who was the person who was arguing for why they should stay, where Spencer was sort of like uh, getting people like, you, you know, trust me, I'll help you guys in the challenges where it wasn't so much like Jatia was hurting herself uh, in that moment. But in terms of something like this, Going back to how about in the first Blood versus Water, where we had uh, both uh, Vetus and Cat and Vetus and Laura Boneham. And the Laura Boneham thing happened more back at camp, where she sort of like spoke for the group and kind of, uh, you know, alienated the people that she was with. But Vetus and Cat at Tribal Council, I feel like that Cat sort of really was digging her own grave at that Tribal Council, where Vetus starts really starting to dig into that Cat was the person who was sort of uh, really like playing hard strategically and Kat is really trying to apologize to the group and Vetus is really calling her out about like, you know, I'm hearing a lot of I'm sorry, but I'm not hearing a lot about how you're going to change. And he really just beats down Kat at that yeah, tribal council. Yeah, I do remember. That's pretty rough. And it's it's especially rough because you, you sort of feel bad for Kat in that moment because it is not, this is not her game. I think that it's funny, Jason uh, has been talking about how stupid he thinks Alicia is, and clearly the edit is not exactly doing her any favors by featuring a lot of dumb things that she's saying about embryos and things like that. Um, and, you know, it's not the best look for Alicia, but I think you're right. I think she does a perfect job in this tribal council of saying one or two words here and there, really letting the Jennifer just really continue to hang herself uh, by throwing words in and in and out. But she's not being put on the block, you know, like Kat was. And I think that it's really tough when you put someone who maybe isn't articulate or as articulate as some of the other contestant uh, contestants or whose skill isn't like thinking on their feet uh, and really being articulate in that way. I think it's tough and I think it's it exposes people sometimes and it's not it's not the best look for them. And that's what I think that cat moment is. That's not cat's skill. Uh, many of the things that cat. Yeah, many of the things skills. that Kat's good at. She's good at uh, the borscht belt. She's good at telling jokes uh, and the cat skills. But no, um, yeah, she's really, comedian. really a great comedian. But uh, and she's fart jokes everywhere. But uh, but in terms of that, that's just not her big skill. And putting it on display and asking her to kind of show that skill, it's not a good look. So that is pretty rough. All right, let's take another question and let's go to Graham Gates. And Graham wants to talk about these tribes that are the hapless tribes in the three tribe seasons. Hey, what's up, Rob? This is Graham from Pacifica, California. So the Toe Chang tribe, the Braun tribe this season, is looking to be a absolute disaster tribe. Maybe one of the worst ever. My question for you is, where does this tribe rank in the power rankings of disaster tribes in three tribe seasons? So between Toe Tang, Matt Singh, and Luzon, where does this tribe rank? Love to get your thoughts. Thanks. Okay, so if we're just going to limit it to those three right okay. now, what trajectory 
you think that they're on? Do you feel like, yes, they've lost the first two, but do you feel like that they are about to turn it around and could be on a trajectory that's better than those tribes? Do you feel like that it's bad and you see it getting worse and maybe we could go lower than some of those other tribes? Whereas in Matt's saying they lost all four of the challenges, they go to the tribal council four straight times. Luzon went three out of four times. But I think you could make the case that actually Luzon was worse than Matt Singh in a lot of ways. So what do you think, Antonio? Yeah, I, I, it, it's interesting. I, I'm i not sure how much that uh, Kyle, Jason, Hitman, Scott, whatever his name is, and not Scott, but Kyle, Jason, Sarge, Hitman, however you want to call him, I, uh, I don't think he minds losing all that much. I feel like he sees it as an opportunity to kind of get better by, uh, by cutting some fat away, uh, and by solidifying his alliances and, and, and really working the votes that way. I'm not sure that he's trying for the intentional Matt saying. I don't think that's his plan, but I think that he doesn't mind seeing it that way. And I think that's the difference. I, while Matt Singh had Malcolm and Denise, uh, those four first boots, even Russell Swan, were really dragging them down and were very difficult. And I, I don't sense that, uh, that Alicia is, or is really killing them in the challenges. I didn't feel like they lost the challenge because of her. Uh, maybe the first one, but certainly not the second. And I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see them headed directly downward. And I feel like we're getting enough from these other tribes that I, I feel like we could be headed to a tribal council there. I don't know. I don't think their tra- trajectory is straight down. I think there are some people around. Cindy seems to be a fairly good performer in the challenges. Kyle certainly is doing well. Scott seems to be doing well. I, I don't think that the arrow is definitely all the way down for them. Is that is that your read? Yeah, it's interesting because this tribe, unlike those other two tribes, Matt Singh isn't a tribe that was sort of built around any sort of character trait. It was just a tribe that was a bunch of five random people plus Russell Swan. And then we had the Brains tribe. But this is a tribe which their major skill set coming into this was brawn, was supposed to be challenge performance. So in losing two people, from that tribe, normally, especially when you look at the people they got rid of in Darnell and Jennifer, you feel like in the average six-person tribe, that would be a huge loss. I feel like that this tribe is actually positioned somewhat well to overcome losing those two people, whereas Alicia is probably either an average or somewhat below average performer in the challenges. You have three other people who seem like they're all really strong and pretty good at challenges. I don't know exactly how they would do with puzzles. That seemed to be their downfall in the first immunity challenge, but they've been right there. Whereas Matt Singh and the Brains Tribe, they in Luzon, they both had a couple of really bad blowout <laughs> losses. <laughs> Where, like, I believe Matt Singh, while they were close a couple times, you know, I think they got blown out pretty bad in the first challenge. And then they've got like memorably blown out in the challenge where they had to dive down and untie things. And it really turned into like Denise and Malcolm had to just keep going over and over again. And Russell Swan and Angie couldn't get anything going. We haven't seen the Braun tribe get blown out yet. Like they were one slingshot away from ultimately not going to tribal council. So I think they're probably positioned to not 
totally yeah, flat. I, I agree. I think Matt Singh is the worst, and I think that it's. I think it's going to be hard to kind of really beat that record uh, in terms of those four in a row right there. Uh, I just don't. I, I don't see Braun really doing that. And look, Alicia is no Angie. Like you, you can say what you will about <laughs> Alicia and her words, uh, as she puts it, and the things that she's done. She's really trying hard. If you go back and watch that first episode when she has to run to do the puzzle, she really runs really hard, and she really is doing her best. Now, granted, she's admitted from the jump. She's not puzzles are not her thing. Mental giant aside, she's not really there to do the puzzle. And so if they come up against another puzzle, I do think that that could be tough. But, you know, remember, there was the dexterity option that they didn't take. So if they continue to provide options that don't include a puzzle, maybe they go for the other one and they succeed at it. Uh, They only seem to have lost this challenge because Scott Pollard missed that second slingshot. Uh, The the rope seemed to be long Mm -hmm. enough. He came back and said, I just missed the shot. And that's what it is. It, it didn't seem to be because of Alicia. So I don't feel like her being in the game still rather than uh, than Jennifer holds them down. And I, and I don't think the arrow is pointing straight down. for them. I think that's still an interesting conversation between Matt Singh and Luzon, because if you sort of like do the one for one as you sort of start to break it down, I think that you probably could say that Denise and Tasha is a pretty similar one for one. Spencer and Malcolm, I feel like, while I feel like Malcolm is stronger, that Spencer just has won a lot more individual immunity challenges than Malcolm has. And then you have Cass for Russell Swan, and they're both lawyers. I don't know. But I think that Cass is going to be a lot better at puzzles. Russell Swan is a lot stronger. He can't really swim. That was probably part of the problem there. So I think that's an interesting conversation to have. That Matt Singh, though, their bottom, the the first three people that go out, were just so much worse, I think, than the people where Jatia was kind of bad in the challenges that you would feel like that Garrett and David Sampson were probably pretty good in the challenges where just the first three boots on Matt Singh in you had Zane, who was right. really bad in that first challenge. Angie was probably a bit below average. And Roxy, I mean, she seemed like she was fit, but I don't know ultimately what she could do. So I think that Matt Singh, just because of how bad their bottom half of the tribe turned out to be, I think that's probably the worst group. Yeah, and the other thing about Luzon, and I think that we can't really lose sight of this, is they weren't just a train wreck. They, they didn't just perform poorly in challenges. In fact, they win. They don't go to like four straight or three straight or anything like that. Part of the problem with Luzon was they were a mess from a chemistry standpoint. Like they were all over the map, turning on each other, being angry at tribal councils, keeping Jatia after she pours the rice out, things that just made you hit your head against the wall. Like what is this tribe doing? It wasn't so much that they were just not performing in challenges sometimes. It was when they got to tribal council, they were a mess. They were just a hot mess. And it's hard to, I mean, you, I think we remember that as much as anything else that Garrett's going in there and they're flipping on Garrett at, right away at the beginning of the game. You're keeping Jatia in the game. Spencer's getting upset. Like there isn't this kind of consistent core like there seems to be with Totang, uh, where the, at least for the consistent core, yeah, they've been to tribal, but I don't think Scott or Kyle, uh, or any, you know, there are a couple other players. Cindy has left the, the tribal council being like, what just happened? Like, I can't believe that you did that. Like, I think most of the time it's, Seems like that may be what ha- what's happening, but they seem to be presenting that they're confident. They know that you know that they uh, are getting what they need out of the tribal council, and they there are a few people in this tribe who are doing what they want and not upset. It doesn't seem to be a train wreck. Like what's the name of this brawn tribe? Totang. It sounds terrible. It sounds like something. Isn't that what Max was trying to get off of his foot in uh, in the you know the original Survivor uh, Worlds Apart? Is that what that is? <laughs> 
Yeah, you had I a just, toe tag? I think that's something you got to be very careful with, Rob. If we get into some sort of scenario where we go down to two tribes, some sort of tribe swap, and we end up with Tai Trang on Toe Tang, that is going to be exceptionally confusing television. Yes, it's like uh, like most shows recapped on post show recaps. It's just a good yeah. name. They go together. It's going to be like who's on first when they go to tribal council. All right. All right. So Tai Trang, what's best for Toe Tang? What's best for Tai Trang? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Toe Tang, the tribe, not me? Okay, I understand. Tai Tang or Toe Trang? Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. Toe Tang. This is very difficult. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I don't know. This is, uh, you know, would you rather be called uh, Enel Adam, Rob? We could, uh, we could do worse. We could yeah. do worse. And then it becomes incredibly confusing if Toe Tang goes to tribal council and then uh, we have votes against Tai Trang and votes against somebody else and the votes are a tie. <laughs> we have a tie for Tai. Uh, and to, and toe tang, it's a toe tang tie uh, with tie. Uh, who who uh, that would be? Yeah, that would be a, a nightmare. That would be very bad. That would be very. Can you imagine <laughs> Caleb Reynolds in that scenario? Uh, it would be not unlike where Keith Nail was like, "Wait, what happened now? Oh, Who's well, going I'm to going the house? Like, oh hell, I'll just give up. Oh, Kimmy, you stay. <laughs> she's I'll got go. Kids, this is all right. We can do this. Yeah, she's got no, kids. Is, uh, and then and then Cindy comes out and she's like, not Cindy anymore. Storm comes out and we have a storm. Was there a storm today? What do you mean storm today? I, there wasn't. Didn't rain all day. No, there was a storm at camp. Like this could get really bad. <laughs> you got a storm at Toe Tang with Tai Tang, uh, Tai Trang. This could be. Yeah, this is bad. This is a tongue twister. Survivor tongue twister. Oh, oh yeah. hell. I'm going to the house. Let's take a question from Shane, who has, not that Shane, a different Shane, who has an idea for maybe something Jennifer could have played. Hey, this is Shane from Massachusetts. My question is, why, after opening up Tribal Council, saying that the vote was up in the air and getting called out, why Jennifer just didn't break the fourth wall that Jason and Scott and claiming that she was lying to the cameras to make a good episode for TV? If Alicia was the obvious boot and they were open about it at Tribal Council, that would make for a pretty boring episode of TV. And Jason especially seems like he wants to make pretty interesting episodes. He just kind of like wants to make an impact on the season. Do you think uh, that Jason Scott would have bought it? Thanks for listening. What do you think of that? As you get busted on something on Survivor, your answer is, oh, no, I'm not really doing that. I'm just trying to make an exciting I, I episode. I feel like Jeff is not going to be too happy about that. That doesn't seem like... That, I mean, I well, think Jeff wants good TV, but I don't know that he wants people talking mm-hmm. about that at Tribal. Uh, it is an interesting strategy. Okay, forget a Tribal. Forget a Tribal. They, she says it at camp. Says, oh, I'm just trying to give, you know, give some stuff for production. Like, I, like oh, yeah, I was just doing that for a TV show. I'm not, I'm not really thinking about switching. I'm just trying to, you know, like, I keep it if, interesting. Uh, I wonder if anyone's ever done that. It seems like a somewhat viable strategy. I think it all comes down to uh, how believable you are to begin with, how honest you are usually. I think that if Jennifer tries to bust that out, and that's not the sort of kind of relationship she has with Kyle. I mean, we saw how good she was at digging her way out of a hole. It didn't. It wasn't a good look for her. But I think a different player might be able to. What do you think? I think that you could try it. I don't think it would necessarily be the worst idea. But I feel like it would be right. It would be weird coming yeah, from it Jennifer. Just, it doesn't strike me as something like that you could easily. It strikes me as something that you could kind of play off if you were able to talk about all the things surrounding that. But maybe not uh, something that you could just bust out in defense out of nowhere uh, and expect to be able to use as a defense. It's an interesting idea. I'll try to do that in my house in terms of if I ever get in trouble with Nicole for something. Like, I'm just trying to do I was just doing something for the podcast. I'm going to tell this story. That's why I did it. Yeah, I feel like you probably have done this. This is just for my Snapchat, Nicole. <laughs> I, I, I'm, this is for my Periscope. I don't think these things go well for you, Rob. Yeah, I don't yeah, really I don't mean it. Go well for you, Rob. <laughs> Boy, now, now yeah, you're you talking, Antonio. You got to be careful. I would not, I would not okay. try this at home. 
All right, let's take a question from David. Wants to start talking about Alicia. Hey, Rob, it's David from New Orleans. I have a two-part Alicia question for you. Do you think Alicia making fire for Braun helped save her in the game between her and Jennifer Lanzetti last night? Because it seemed like before Alicia made fire, Braun was ready to lay down and die. Okay, Antonio, do you feel like Alicia's ability to get the fire going in any way helped save her at the Tribal Council? Did her ability to do this... We almost got it, guys. We had an embryo and it went out, but we almost got it. She was able to get those embryos going. This, <laughs> was this an in vitro fire? Is this what's happening? I'm I'm very confused. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This uh no, yes. I don't think it had any impact whatsoever. I listen, I think I like Alicia. I really think that uh that did you know, Rob, by the way, during the the after the episode last night, Alicia was trending nationally on Twitter. Oh my god. Yes, Alicia was trending on Twitter, and it had to be her because it was spelled that way. Like it was right after Survivor, Survivor's trending, and Alicia is trending. So I like to, I'm calling her Kalisha. I'm calling her Khaleesi, like Kalisha. She's really the mother of dragons here. She's really, I, I really think she did a good job, uh, about as good as could be expected in the position she was in. Like, oh, I just wanted you to have a, a good last day. Well, lying to me is not making me have a good last day. I, I didn't bring it up. Like she really was giving some pretty good responses there. And look, it seems very clear that Jason has already, Kyle, Jason, uh, Hitman, Sarge, whatever his name is, has already made his mind up about her, thinks she's dumb, thinks she's a ditz, but she's playing, she's working really hard. And the fact that she got them fired, I don't think anyone was like, we have to keep her now because she got us fired. Uh, because Jennifer seemed to be working really hard at camp as well, was keeping things going, was doing a lot of the stuff around camp. There's a secret scene this week where uh, whatever his name is, Kyle Jason Sarge is uh, is, and I'm I'm just not going to pick one because he won't. Uh, I think that I think that there's a there's a secret scene where he says he's specifically not doing anything around camp to conserve energy. That he's not he's just going to lay back in the shelter and he's just kind of pl- laying low. He's letting everybody else do everything. This is his strategy. And Jennifer was doing a lot of that work. And so I don't think I don't think that voting her out was like, well, who's going to do that work now? So the fact that Alicia got them fired, I don't think it won her any points in terms of keeping her. Uh, I think it, I think there's a lot of quiet strategy going on there. Like I said, your podcast with David Bloomberg this week about, you know, what why Darnell lost Survivor, I thought was really good in terms of filling in those blanks. I encourage anyone who didn't listen to listen to that because – you get a sense that what what's going on with Scott and what's going on with uh with Kyle or Jason whatever his name is and uh and Cindy they're you know they're playing a pretty good strategic game and i think that Alicia's being kept around for all the reasons you guys have already discussed here that uh she's an easier person to control Scott wanted her there uh, i think that those are really the main reasons why she's still around. i really love this idea of the uh Kalisa because uh first off she could be a targaryen because anybody else their hands would have burned right? up trying to make the fire get started for five hours with that flint and those sparks so she seems to be very resistant to the flames so she's also talking about embryos and maybe those are uh, like dragon egg embryos that she's got we almost got it guys we had an embryo and it went out but we almost got it they almost got it they almost got it and we need some sort of dothraki boyfriend so i think that maybe we have a kyle drogo i love it this is fantastic like this is a this is really good she does she have purple eyes have we looked into this like does she know was one of her parents really crazy like there are so many good options here we know that her dad is like a fight promoter i'm gonna guess yes on that question antonio so what kind of fights are these are these jousts rob are these like (laughs) 
Wait, was he the Mad King or Don King? Yeah, oh, that's a very good question. It could be either way. Like maybe, yeah, maybe he's promoting tournaments like at a Heron Hall. Like who knows exactly what her father is up to. But I'm really, I really like uh, Kalisha. I think there, there's some, there's something there. I was uh, tweeting with Don's Brett about this last night on Twitter, and I think we both are are all in on this. And I'm glad that I'm glad that you're in too, Rob. This is a good squad between the three of us. <laughs> you should own it. You're the president of the fan club. That's fine. I I'm happy to be the president of that fan club. And I think that it's, uh, I don't know. I just think it's, she's a fighter. I really like that. I really like that fighting spirit that, that Alicia has shown. I don't know that she's going to last if they happen to lose again. Uh, I think that that could be, uh, could be kind of a bad deal. Uh, she could be the next to go. Um, but I think that I, I really like what we've seen from her so far. So I am officially knighting you as the Jorah Mormont of the Kalisa. Oh my gosh. Does that mean I'm going to have to like, some, at some point visit Yunkai? Yes. Go follow her around. <laughs> help her bad. out. Kalisi. Oh. <laughs> oh, Kalisi. Go help out bad. the Kalisha. Okay. No, Let's no. take another question. And this one comes to us. This is also about your beloved Kalisa. This is coming to us from Jason. Is this Jason or Kyle? Hey, Rob. Jason from Nashville here. All right. Last night during one of Alicia's confessionals, she talked about how she was so happy she could do the happy dance. Now, after miraculously surviving two tribal councils, could this be a hint from the editors that she's getting the hashtag winners edit? Love to hear your thoughts. Hey, Tony, we all recall back in season 30 where the winner of season 30, Mike Holloway, used to do his signature happy dance. And then Alicia last night, she said this. And Jason goes home tonight. Instead of me, I'm going to be really excited. I might even do a little happy dance. Wow. Is this a coincidence? I think that uh, Alicia is uh, secretly working for Sweet Tea's Designs, Rob. And she's she's trying to get that plug in for the hashtag happy dance shirt. It's also possible that she's seen exactly one season of Survivor and it happened to be that one. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Or perhaps she's seen in the House of the Undying the prophecy of how you go on to win Survivor. Yes, this is possible. It, you know, maybe she has seen all these things, Rob. She has foreseen things that she couldn't. She already knows, for example, what happens on Survivor's second chance, uh, despite the filming <laughs> schedule. She's, uh, there's a lot going on. At the end of all of this, she's going to fly away on a dragon. Um, and the person who rides the chaos ladder to the top is going to be uh, Littlefinger, Peter Baglishtos. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. I forced that one. I'm sorry. I forced that one. <laughs> forced okay. that one. Uh, why don't we talk about this new hidden immunity idol, which we got to see last night, or the new way that the hidden immunity idol is hidden? And uh, a different Peter or Petire has a question for us. Uh, this is from our buddy Peter the Great. Hey, Rob. This is Peter the Great from Boston. Uh, the live Noel shows was great. Love to hear Penner and Corinne. Can't wait to watch the video. My question is about the idol being hidden so high up in a tree. Isn't that designed to force you to work with someone else since we know that the idols can be combined together to form a super idol? That way they're already fostering the idea of teamwork and partnership for these idols, and then they'll have to use that later on in the season. All right, love the show. Thanks a lot. Antonio, do you think that the way the idols are hidden are designed in a way to foster 
teamwork among the people that are searching for the idol. I think, I mean, Peter, the great observation. I think that's, uh, I think that that's pretty on point. I, I thought the, th- the same thing myself when you guys were talking about, like, what does somebody have to stand on somebody's head? Like, how do you get up there? Uh, it does occur to me that you're, you're probably better suited to get someone's help. I wasn't sure if they were teasing that during last night's episode. Uh, Ty Trang basically, you know, he struggles. He gets the foot blood on the tree. It's gross. He can't get up there. He says something then in a confessional where he says basically like, I can't find the, I can't get the idol, so I'm going to cr- try to use my charm. And I think he was basically saying like, since I can't get the idol right now, I'm going to try to at least get in my tribe's good graces and I'm going to be charming. But I do wonder if what we're going to see is, does Ty Trang form a relationship, a friendship with Caleb and say, look, you're my buddy. We're on this tribe together. I, I can get the idol, but I need your help. Uh, and you know, we see Caleb climb up the tree and get the idol for both of them. Uh, I think that that's something that is entirely possible. Uh, and I, and I think that it's possible because I do think that it's somewhat designed that way. We haven't seen how every idol's hidden, uh, but that one in particular, it really does seem like a teamwork idol. Knowing that they can be combined, I think you have to assume that that, that some of the ways that they're hidden uh, in encouraging more than one person to find them at once may be part of that as well. Yeah, but it's still only one idol. I feel like that they've made the idols harder to come by, and I feel like that they're going to be more scarce. And I feel like what are the chances that I know that like. Earl and Yao Man both found two idols together. But what are the chances that we're going to see like a Caleb and Tai Trang find another idol together? It doesn't seem likely. That is true. Uh, and I, it, it, I wonder if it, if it forces you to say like, oh, I found an idol. And then the, the same person finds the other idol. Right. And you say, well, now that I know, like, uh, now I'm going to tell Caleb again, we can combine them. So it's just one really good idol hunter or somebody who's already predisposed to looking my suspicion, though we haven't seen it on TV, my suspicion is that a lot of the Beauty Tribe members have probably looked for an idol. Most people uh, seem to do that when they get out there. Uh, we just don't always see it on TV because it's not part of the story. But we always hear afterwards, I was looking for that idol for days, or I, I, she wasn't the only person who was looking, or whatever. So I suspect other people are looking. Um, and if Ty's the only one that finds one, uh, maybe he's really good at looking or he's thinking the right way and he'll find another one. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. We could see a sort of scenario like in China where Todd was the first person to figure out where the hidden immunity idol was in the signpost and then sort of like instructed to James, okay, here's exactly where the idol is at the other camp. So maybe if we have some sort of a tribe swap where Ty is able to, you know, the idol is going to be hidden up in the tree or the clue is going to be hidden up in the tree or whatever's hidden up in the tree, then he can go ahead and maybe get his hands on more than one idol. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think, if you look up in that tree, you can actually see the thing in the tree. So maybe what happens is somebody's walking by the tree and they see it up in the tree. And then they climb up the tree and get it. And it's just a key. It's not an idol. And it's not. They, so the, what is this a key to? I don't know. So they're then forced to try to talk to other players about it and say, I found this key, but I don't know what the key is to. I don't know if there's a note with the key or not. So I don't know if this is exactly how that would play out. But that being up there in the tree like that, if you look at the camera shot of it, it's visible. You can see it from the ground. And so I, it, there's a good chance somebody could see that, grab that, find that, and have no idea where that box is buried with the idol in it. So I think that you could also just be finding a key with no idea of what else to do with it and be forced to talk to other players about finding the idol. So I think that could be part of it. And this is also the season which is coming directly off of Worlds Apart, which opened with the idea of share the lie where two people had to decide whether they wanted to go with the honest box, deceive box, or the neutral box. 
Oh, the famous neutral <laughs> box. Yes. How well we remember that. Yeah. So maybe that the survivor producers were saying like, oh, this is great. You have to share the clue to the immunity idol. Yeah. I think that, that I think that that's possible. I think the Todd example is a really good one because in, in, we're not having any kind of cross tribal thing going on there where you have to pick somebody from the other tribe and give them a clue or anything like that. Like we've seen in the blood versus waters and like we've seen in other seasons, this is more along the lines of work together within your tribe. Uh, and I think that makes a little bit of sense because if you're going to take a three tribe season and you're going to mix everybody up, we just saw this last season. What happens are those early game bonds can break down very quickly. Uh, even the pregame bonds can break down very quickly because people are, are merged or the cell, the, the tribal mitosis, uh, things happen where people are forced apart, come back together, new bonds are formed. And I think this is some of, somewhat of a way to say some of these early game bonds can stay strong if two players are forced to work together that early on that kind of key piece of information. And then they're ripped apart. Like then, then they, they're not on the same tribe anymore, but they each know each other's secret. Uh, will that keep them together? Will they share it with somebody else? That's again, a little bit of twist in the survivor strategy that 32 seasons in, it's fun to see. Okay. Let's take a question from Charlie from Maryland wants to talk about Debbie and what's going on with her. Hi, Robin Antonio. This is Charlie from Maryland. I want to talk about the brains tribe for a little bit. Uh, but specifically this young versus old battle. Uh, it's being edited that Liz and Neil are the leaders of this young person alliance and that it would be a foregone conclusion should they go to tribal council next week that Debbie would be the first person voted out. However, I'm starting to disagree with that. Last week we saw Aubrey and Debbie forming a relationship uh, after Aubrey had her meltdown, and then this week we hear Peter say that he doesn't want Debbie going anywhere anytime soon. Those are two votes from the Young Person Alliance that could be swayed over to vote with Joe and Debbie should they go to tribal council. So could we see a blind side of one of the two leaders of the Young Person Alliance should the brands go to tribal council next week? Thanks for answering. Love you, Bay. Love you, Bay. All right. Love you, Bay. So what do you think, Antonio? How do you see this shaking out with these people, the young and the old? on the brain's tribe. I actually agree with you a little bit, Rob, from uh, last night's know-it-alls where you're talking about how Dr. Peter seems to be emerging a little bit. Because, first of all, Peter and Neil, neither of them are young. I mean, they're, they're around our age. Uh, they're in their mid-30s. They're uh, in, you know, Neil's into his later 30s. These aren't truly young people. Yes, they're younger than Joe and Debbie, but they're not young, young. Uh, and so they probably have a little bit of their stuff together. Neil or, or Peter has a pretty good confessional in one of the secret scenes about his bedside manner uh, and about how, you know, it's very important that he use his bedside manner in this game, no matter what crises are coming up as a doctor, he's experienced in trying to deliver that kind of bad news uh, and, and really have it, you know, do something that uh, people can respond to. He, in the episode, handles Debbie very well, I think. He's flattering her. He's humoring her. Uh, he's putting up with her. And then you get the confessional, as you're pointing out, where he says, like, I don't want her gone. She's not strategizing at all. Uh, I think that if, if Debbie likes Peter and Peter's in with that, I think it could bode poorly for either Liz or Neil. Uh, I think that that's not something where it's just a, it's just a layup to assume that Debbie's gone. I, I think Aubrey slides a little differently as well because she fit in with Debbie and Joe early in those episodes. And she did really, really well in that first challenge. I don't know. I, I'm a little concerned uh, for Neil and for Liz because I like the both of them, um, that this could bode, bode poorly for them. But it sure does seem like they're setting up Debbie uh, to have a quick fall one way or the other. See, I could see it being Joe just as easily as Debbie. Oh, sure. Me too. 
So I don't see a way where I don't think we're going to go through to a three, three tie. So even if Aubrey was sort of predisposed to work with Debbie and Joe for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to me like they have anybody else, even if they had Aubrey. And I feel like that Aubrey would be more likely to stick with Liz and that group of quote unquote younger people. I just don't see why they would go to a three, three tie outside of a, some sort of idle flush on that first vote. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I think the, the biggest concern for Liz and Neil would be, let's say Joe is gone first because he's having a hard time around camp. They're not liking the way he's using too much kerosene or spilling it uh, or relating negatively to them or whatever it is. And let's say that that's that. And let's say Debbie is smart enough to say, I'm not going to go down with this ship. And she votes against Joe and Joe's gone. At that point, I can still see if we still have a three tribe format, I can still see Debbie, Peter and Aubrey working together and Neil and Liz being on in the two at that point. And so I think that's the bigger concern is even if you take Joe out of the equation, I, if Peter wants to work with Debbie and Aubrey and Debbie are, are copacetic, they're okay together. I think that that could be a three against the two of, of Liz and Neil. And I think that that's where the real trouble comes in is that when Joe's gone and it's easy, then it, it's not a, a four against two. It's still a three against two. And I think that could be the problem. Yeah. I really feel like the tide is turning against Joe in this tribe, especially because we talked about how he's spilling the kerosene. And so he's like getting frustrated with some of these people that are in the tribe. Whereas Debbie, I think that we're seeing her more shown in an endearing way. I mean, we had like a montage of her talking about all sorts of different stuff between frontal lobes. And we saw where Peter was talking about how many different cats that she has. She was also, uh, she said this. Also women with boobs, men should not be running. So I guess she was not a fan of Baywatch or love you Baywatch or chiropractors for that matter. Like I guess she's just not in on any of that stuff. Yeah. She was raised with all sorts of different animal fecal matter and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, she's certainly shaping up to be a interesting character moving forward. Antonio, if you had to pick though last night, which person would you say was the most nuts survivor player of the week? Was it Debbie or was it Jennifer? Unfortunately, I think it was Jennifer. Uh, and that's unfortunate for Jennifer. But I think her real insanity only came out after she knew that she was on the block and she was going to go home. Well, whether it's Debbie or Jennifer or even Alicia, every season of Survivor has its share of nuts. And you'll never forget where to go for nuts when I tell you about nuts.com, Antonio, because they've got the best tasting nuts on the planet. You better believe that, right? I Just making sure I can type that into my search bar. Yes. Yes. All right. This is great. Nuts.com is the simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and so many other tasty treats from around the world delivered straight to your door. Antonio, right now, customers can get four free samples, over 50 options, over $15 value when you go to nuts.com. So click on the mic and enter the code Rob nuts.com, right? Yeah, we should. I'm looking at the website now. They don't just sell nuts, Rob. They've got almond flour. They've got dried fruit. They've got a lot of stuff here. <laughs> There's over 3000 healthy snacks that cater to any diet that you have, whether it's you want some dried fruit, sweet treats, cooking and baked goods and options for all diet, including sugar free, paleo friendly, certified organic and certified gluten free. So right now, new customers will get four free samples. Oh, that's over 50 different options of $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, enter the code Rob, that's nuts.com. Enter my promo code Rob for four free samples with your order. That's nuts.com for full details. All right, Antonio. Yeah, the blog on their website is called The Nutty Scoop, Rob. 
Oh boy. All right. So let's go into another question. Let me take a question from our buddy Joel in Canada. Here's a question from Joel. What's up, Rob? This is Joel calling from Canada. My question today is about BMC Beast Mode Cowboy. And if you would tell me I was asking this question two weeks ago, I'd have laughed in your face. But do you think BMC Beast Mode Cowboy has a chance at winning this game? The edit seems very friendly towards him. And he seems in a good spot with the Speedy Tribe not probably going to Tribal Council for a while. And I think he seems like he has a good enough social game that in most swaps he could be okay as well. Love to hear you guys' thoughts. Love the show. Thanks. Antonio, I can't believe we're here after two episodes talking about a winner's edit for Beast Mode Cowboy. Are you seeing it? Hey, the hero edit is real. Uh, that this is this is something that I think a lot of people have talked about. I've seen the great Jessica Lee tweeting about this. I know other people have weighed in. Like, I can't believe this is Caleb. I can't believe I'm on Team Caleb. But he is getting a little bit of a hero edit. There uh, is it a winner's edit? I think it's a little too early to tell. But I think that he is one of a few, a handful of a few people who is a viable winner in this game, as we've seen so far. Uh, he's great at the challenges. People in his tribe seem to like him. He's doing good things around camp. He's working really hard. He knows how reality TV works. Uh, I, I'm worried, Rob. He's gonna, you know, he he had this problem though. He didn't want to eat the slop on Big Brother because he was worried. Do you remember why he wouldn't eat it? No, he was worried he was going to get man boobs. Is what he said. Like he didn't <laughs> want to eat the slop on Big Brother. So I got to feel he didn't why specifically. <laughs> Because of the carbs, I think he didn't want the just the o the oh, that how like, that happens. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I guess yeah. He just he wanted no part of that. So, Change my whole diet. I, well, you know, you're not big on the branch chain amino acids, Rob. <laughs> I need to get more it. of those. I don't. I still don't know how to get those. Go to nuts.com, my friend. <laughs> I guess so. so. I, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that. I think there's a possibility, but I also think that I. You know, he was. He really was. We saw some serious issues with him in the Big Brother house, uh, and I think the house got to him a little bit. I'm shocked that we haven't seen that, but this is his element. He's an outdoor guide. He lives in my home state of Kentucky, Rob. And he said, there's something he said during this episode made me laugh. He said, where I come from, you don't even see ties. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. Like where he comes from in Kentucky, they don't even have Asians, Rob, let alone gay Asians. Like you don't see them at all. So he, he is having a different experience, but he's open to it. And he really is. He has this confessional where he's at home kind of being the forest guy and throwing fishing lines out there and doing all these things. So he's taking to it like a duck to water. And so it doesn't seem to be something that's really affecting him in the way being in the Big Brother house did. Seems to be a happy guy, seems to be doing well. Uh, I could easily see him winning. Uh, but I, 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 you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Let's take another question. This is from our buddy Ron from Toronto. And he wants to know a very specific question about somebody else from the Beauty Tribe. Hi, Robin Antonio. It's Ron from Toronto. Rob, congratulations on another successful live no-dolls event this week. I look forward to going to the one in April. Now, my question is, what has a better chance of happening? Brian Cranston appearing on Better Call Saul this season? Or my uncle Ty Trang winning Survivor this season? Take care. <laughs> All right, Antonio. Of course, Antonio and I podcast about Better Call Saul every week on Post Show Recaps. And we get a new episode up on Monday night going into Tuesday morning for you guys if you watch that show. So what has a better chance of happening? A Brian Cranston appearance here in season two of Better Call Saul or Ty Trang 
winning. I'm going with Brian Cranston appearance, Rob. Wow. I'm going with the Brian Cranston appearance. And here's the thing. It won't be a, uh, you know, we need your help. It could just be running into him in a grocery store kind of thing. We just see him as a character who exists in that city. Uh, but I just, I love Ty Trang. He, of all the people that I had to choose to pick in the one fantasy survivor league that I'm in, I picked Ty Trang to win because I want it to happen. Uh, but I just don't, I don't see it as likely. I think he's getting a lovable kind of fun edit. Um, but he doesn't seem to be playing much of a strategic game, uh, in terms of he's already really gotten himself in a little bit of trouble with the idol. And then when given an opportunity to even cover for it, he just said, can I just have five more minutes to find this idol? Do you guys mind? Can you give me five more minutes? I mean, who is this guy? This guy's nuts. I love it. I love Ty Trang. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see it. I, I'll tell you who he is. I am the one who steals kisses. <laughs> uh, I would say give me Ty Trang. I think Ty Trang, Ty Trang. Yeah, I think Ty Trang winning has a better chance of happening than Brian Cranston appearing on this season of Better Call Saul. I think that Brian Cranston eventually will appear on Better Call Saul, which if you don't know what that is or in terms of how that works, that's a prequel which is happening before the events of Breaking Bad. But I think they'll do that in the final season. I feel like if you just like have Brian Cranston make like a cameo here in season two, then you have nowhere else to go where I feel like if you say, okay, this is the final season of Better Call Saul, and we're going to have you know Walter White show up at some point. I think that's more of a hook to get people in as opposed to a surprise cameo. Yeah, and the biggest problem with the cameo is that is that none of the characters seem to remember each other. So it's not like he's like I I remember you. We had that uh, conversation at the grocery store, or uh, I remember you. You came into my car wash that time. Like. There's a possibility that he's distracted and he's really just kind of a secondary character in a scene uh, that occurs with some of these other characters. But it seems like you can get a lot more mileage, even out of a Walter White that's six years or whatever before Breaking Bad. You can get a lot more mileage out of a meaningful interaction with him that doesn't have to be like something that takes you right into the events of Breaking Bad. Uh, that could be Walter White as a high school teacher, for example, uh, where he, maybe he's just uh, one of Saul's clients or uh, somebody you know has to work with him or something like that. You could see that. But I think Ty has a shot. What would happen, have to happen for Ty to win is that a lot of the people who are, are really strategic would have to get bounced from the game pretty early because I just don't see how you let that guy get to the final four, final five, somewhere in there and, and stay in the game. You got to get that guy out because he's got to be perceived as a massive jury threat. Yeah. And I just don't see how he slides through that phase of the game. I don't think he's winning individual immunity then. I don't see how he slides through that phase of the game unless all the strategic players are just gone. Uh, and you have a much more old school season. I do think he has a really good social game. But, you know, the whole business with, hey, give me five more minutes about the idol notwithstanding. He also looks like he's on the precipice of having a hidden immunity idol. So I do think that overall things are looking up from for Ty Trang from where we left him off last week. I don't think that there is a great chance Ty Trang will win. I just think there's almost no chance that Brian Cranston is going to be on Better Call Saul this season. It's fair. It's fair. So I would say there's a 5% chance of Ty Trang winning. And I'll say, I think there's like a 2% chance of Brian Cranston. Appearing. I think that if I had to say Jesse Pinkman or Ty Trang, give me Jesse Pinkman. That makes a lot more sense. I think Aaron Paul would be happy to do it. Yeah. So I'll take uh, Pinkman, bitch. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that could happen. All right. Antonio, I have a lot of respect for your taste in music, and that's why I wanted you to judge this week's RHAP song contest. <sighs> this is a lot of pressure, Rob. Yeah. This is a lot of pressure. I, 
I feel like I took some payola already with my intro there from Shut Up Tim, but uh, I'll try to remain as unbiased as I can. We're going to talk about vinyl this week, so keep that payola not too far from your mind. Okay, we have two new entries uh, this week for the weekly title of RHAP Song Champion. This oh week, gosh. we have somebody who's never submitted a song before. This is from one of our listeners, Pengi. And Pengi uh, has a song about that he wants to talk about, Tai Trang. Okay? Pengi. All right. I'm, I'm intrigued. And this is called Tai's Sorry. Why'd beauty have to go get angry at Tai's honesty? They caught him searching for an idol under a tree. I hope he doesn't run out of time. Could someone call Jeff Probsty? Cause he just needs five more minutes. I know you know that survivors have made that mistake before. At least he replanted the trees which made us adore. (laughs) He let the chickens run free with his generosity. Cause he needs one more shot to get him in alliance. Right, and you call it when you're ready, Antonio. Is I mean, I could listen to a song to about Ty, Ty all day. Because he's <laughs> missing more than just Caleb's body. All right, I think we can call it. I think we can call it. You've heard enough. You've heard I enough. heard enough. I like it, though. I like it. Okay. Ty, I sorry. I could listen to that song. I like I could listen to Ty songs all day. That's from Pengi. Okay. Pengi. All right. All right. And then we have a submission from our reigning musical champion shut up tim okay of course he won the contest last week as we all remember and so here is something that he was also very very inspired by tai trang uh he was inspired by uh tai trang's uh favorite new word cuddlicious 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 i see where this one's going already i think (laughs) okay so all right, it's, it might be it might be too cuddlicious. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not exactly. All right, here is a shut up, Tim, with cuddlicious. Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. The beat that I'm banging is delicious. Cuddlicious Caleb is his, and it drives Ty loco. Belt buckle stolen kisses BMC is Toto. Cuddlicious. He's hot, hot, cuddlicious. The chickens are connected with the knot, cuddlicious. Stolen kisses, what I got, cuddlicious. Beast Mo Cowboy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, Antonio. A lot of pressure right now on you. What, what are the criteria here, Rob? Am I going with which one made me laugh more? Which one was no, which uh, one more you, sonically pleasing? Right. Which one did you love more? Which one That's did you really want to have a bromance with? Well, this is the deal. Uh, they're both about Ty. So that they already are, are in my heart. The, the problem that I have with Sorry is that it's a Justin Bieber song at its core. So that's already, it's got a lot going against it because I'm not a big fan of the Biebs at all. And I got to, I don't know, this is so tough, Rob. This is so tough. Can I, uh, can I flip a coin? Can I flip a coin? Do you have a coin I can borrow, Rob? Rob, I have to maintain an air of professionalism okay. here. I have to stay unbiased. Let's start the drum roll. This is so hard. I'm going with Ty. Sorry, oh, Rob. Ty. Sorry. 
Great it's job, really Pengy. Tough. It's really tough. Yeah, Pengy, uh, it's it's just because we haven't heard of Pengy. That's a great shut up Tim song, but Pengy's come from out of nowhere. Uh, and I'm I really I just I really like what's going on there. So Ty sorry it is. Ty sorry. Okay. Ty sorry, shut up, Tim. I'm sorry. Yes. And also a uh, shout out to Beebs Mode Cowboy. <laughs> yes, please don't please don't shout that out. <laughs> Please. Okay. It, would, it would be it would it would be a lot better if you didn't shut that out. Um, there's a there's a purpose for that. Okay. Now, Beast Mode Cowboy and Tai Trang they have the developing bromance, which everybody has been talking about from this episode. Jeff Probst loves it, but I'm wondering if Beast Mode Cowboy should be getting a little jealous of Tai Trang and another living object on the island. And that would be the tree that the hidden immunity idol key is hanging from. Because I'm wondering if it's possible. Is Tai Trang having a tree mance, Antonio? Is there a tree mance happening here? Uh, there's there's a possibility. Did you did you happen to hear what he said as he was climbing up that tree? Here is uh you tell me if there's a tree mance going on here between yeah, uh, Tai Trang and uh, Tree Trang. Yes. Oh, definitely testing me. Oh, almost there. Oh, no. He may need it, but you want it, baby. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did he say Jeff's really testing me? Yeah, Jeff's really testing me. Jeff's really testing. Oh, almost there. No, <laughs> boy, uh, oh, Ty Trang. Uh, he's uh, really owning the song parodies, the soundboard. At least he took his socks off, Rob. Yeah, boy, <laughs> Ty Trang doing a, doing a great job. Yeah, I love. I mean, I just I could. I don't think it's possible for me to love Ty Trang more. But I thought that last week, and then this week happened. Yeah, no, Ty Trang is doing great. Yeah. Ty Trang better stay away from uh, any sort of survivor medical. That I mean, really. If Tai Trang is the person that gets medically evacuated, then that's it for this season. And I can understand yes. why people aren't excited for the season. Is he drinking the water, Rob? Do we know that? Is he drinking the well water without it boiling? <laughs> that's a good <laughs> Different question. tribes, I know. Different yeah. tribes, I know. But this is a big debate. I don't know if you've seen this. This is a big debate. What Because... There have been a, a couple of Q&As with Survivor producers, with Survivor camera people. The water in the wells is, is supposed to be potable, as they say. It's drinkable. Uh, the wells aren't exactly clean. They're not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not as good as boiled water. But theoretically, that water that's in that well should be drinkable without being, without being boiled. So a lot of people are saying this. A lot of survivors are talking about this. Uh, there, there seems to be a great debate on this. Where do you stand on this, Rob? Would you only drink the boiled water? Are you, are you only doing that? Or are you okay with drinking it? I mean, clearly you can't see what's wrong with water just by looking at it. That's ridiculous. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your experience is. It's ridiculous. There's things called microbes. There are things mm -hmm. that are not visible for, clearly, but that doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't mean that the water is not good. Uh, are you drinking that without boiling? No pumpkin. No. No, I am not going to drink the water without boiling it. Even in the All Stars, where you know I was very close. To, you know, the most thirsty I've ever been in my life. I resisted the urge to drink the water without boiling it, and I would have like. Uh, dreams that I just had like my face under a faucet and then I'd wake up and I was like, oh man, this is really terrible. 
<laughs> That's funny. I thought you came across more thirsty on Amazon. Right? Yeah. Ah, there you go. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, I did not drink the water without boiling it. And it just like, like, well, you should probably boil it. I think that to me, I hear you need to boil the water because I've heard about so many different survivors that come home and they're still not right after the game. And it's one thing I could live with suffering for 39 days but the idea of suffering for years after Survivor because you get messed up out there is just like, uh, that's a little too rich for my blood. Yeah, I, know, I get that. I get that. And I don't, I mean, I don't think you need to dive headlong into it uh, and say, oh my gosh, like, uh, I'll drink it no matter what. I think that if you're desperate, I can understand why people would do that. But you're right. The, the fear is real. I, I understand the fear, even though it is labeled as, uh, as potable, I think that it's it's certainly dangerous. I think really more than anything, and I think Survivor Africa highlighted this because of the way that they kind of chose to show how the water had to be obtained there. It really does just underscore how so much of the water in the world is just not safe and why so many people and so many charities are focused on clean water and why that's so important. Because for so many people, this is kind of a daily thing. Like this is the water source that people have and they do have to make that decision. And, you know, they, you know, do you drink it? Can you always boil it? Those are options other people in the world really do have to face. So I'm glad Survivor does kind of highlight that and underscore it a little bit sometimes. Okay. So let's get into our Survivor social media segment and let's welcome back. You heard him last night opening up the show for us at the live notes. Let's welcome back Ryan Elder. And here are your Survivor social media. Tweets, baby tweets, survivor tweets. They're better than stealing kisses from a cowboy beast. Tweets. Yeah. <laughs> better than stealing kisses from the cowboy beast. I almost like it better as cowboy beast mode or cowboy beast <laughs> instead of beast mode cowboy. I like cowboy beast. Yes. Okay. So lots of survivors are out there again, just like the first week on season 32. The survivors have been uh, really just tweeting up a storm. We have even some survivors from season 32 tweeting Liz Markham. She is at EM Markham. She tweeted, I just didn't want to have hashtag gastrointestinal distress like Stephen Fishback. That was her issue. I'm with you, Liz. Well, she knows. She already knows. Just when in doubt, throw Fishback under the bus. Works works great. It's the plan for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, a, <laughs> she's just, a, it's smart. You know, go on a couple dates with the guy. You know, look what you get. You understand where, where he, what his role in that is. That's not the right hashtag, though, is it? Isn't it severe, severe. gastrointestinal? I don't want to down, I don't want to downplay <laughs> Stephen's gastrointestinal distress. I want to make sure we all remember how severe it was. Neil Gottlieb, he had a close call, apparently. So when he lit the fire, he had tweeted, Yes, that fire blew up in my face and burned the hair off my legs. Hashtag. Survivor, hashtag Team Neil, hashtag accident prone. Accident prone, eh? That doesn't bode well in a season that's been uh, produced and, and what, promoted as having a ton of medical incidents. This is not good. Should be, should be, are we worried about Chekhov's leg hair, Rob? <laughs> yes. I mean, what about Chekhov's water? I mean, is that, do you think the water is that what happened to Nick before the season started? <laughs> yeah. Leg and arm and rest of body, except for the George McFly hair on top that he's constantly like a uh, density has popped me to survivor. Like he's, he's very much a George McFly to me, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, other than that, I don't know. I think he, he was, he was near a fire, but yeah, I'm serious. Let's, let's worry about this uh, accident prone. I'm worried about Debbie talking about drinking the water too. We may not have heard the last of that. That's what I'm concerned about. 
Here is your girl, Alicia Holden, at Leashy Leash 2. She tweeted, maybe I'm the smallest, but at least I didn't nap for five hours like I was in kindergarten nap time when everyone else quit on the fire. Boom. A lot of kindergarten talk this week. I, th- I think that's some shade at Kyle Drogo. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. But yeah, the, the whole episode was kindergarten. A lot of kindergartners. You're right. Also, Stephen Fishback, that he got on Joe for saying, pathogens my butt. Wise, infectious disease advice from Joe. Yeah, Stephen is a, a great defender of Liz. And he's, he's, yes. uh, he's definitely one of her biggest fans. Yes, so he is. I understand. Uh, Stephen, it's over. It's not going to happen. <laughs> let it go. You've moved on. Uh, there's other people in your life he's now. Chivalrous. So He's very chivalrous, this Stephen Fishback, except he said, I got her cast on Survivor, which I have to feel like maybe he connected her with casting, but I'm pretty sure she got herself cast on Survivor. Oh, wow. Sorry, Stephen. Antonio, are you trying I to move you. in there? <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Not at all, Rob. Okay. Maybe. 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 <laughs> the line, <laughs> pathogens my butt, uh, that's also like, that's like a great Penner quote. Pathogens my butt. My butt. <laughs> Penner was so great last night. I've been talking like Penner all day today. I don't blame you. Just around the house, yes. talking to Nicole like Penner. Yes, yes, this is, is great. I'm great. sure she's. I'm sure she loves that. She loves it. She loves it. She was talking with Penner. She sat with Penner during the show. Penner's an awesome dude, Rob. The more Penner, the better. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah, I love Penner. I love Penner. Yes, Eliza. She was fired up during Survivor last night. Did you? You don't need to say during Survivor last <laughs> night. Rob. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, here's some of her uh, best work. She said. Debbie is a lunatic. Hey, hashtag survivor, hashtag cat lady. Just because you're not dead doesn't mean you won't be ill later from drinking untreated water. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The burgeoning Eliza impression is one of my new favorite things. It's more of a cadence than an impression. Uh, But cadence is every bit of, uh, it's very important in impressions, Rob. You've got the cadence down pat. She also tweeted, hey, Joe, I don't know any kindergartners who can make charcoal water filters. Typical law enforcement shouldn't be on brains. <laughs> Hashtag survivor. Oh. <laughs> wow. So that was like telling, an indictment of the police department. Yeah. Telling truth to power. Eliza just can't help it. This is great. I'm surprised that kid didn't get a, you know, some kind of political hashtag in there. Yeah. This is fantastic. I don't know. I think that the charcoal water filter, I think is a little suspect. I think you do sort of like try wacky stuff out there on survivor when you can't get the fire going. But like when you really think about it, it's like you're not building your own Brita on Survivor on day four. <laughs> and if you do, you're certainly Brita-ing it. I think that there's no way that that goes well. I agree. I, it's, it's fascinating. I, I, there is a, there's a good dichotomy there. Like the, there's somebody who has a lot of experience in life uh, and maybe has some life experience in these sorts of things. And there's somebody who is incredibly intelligent, who has read a lot of these things and is putting them into, into kind of effect. And there's no doubt that some of those – look. You could never cook something in a in a book in a recipe. You know, you never cooked it before, but you get a recipe, you cook it, it can taste great. That's what Blue Apron's all about, Rob. But then you could also have not need the recipe book and have your own methods and knowledge about a way. I don't think either of those th- either of those ways are wrong. I think one of the awesome things about Survivor is seeing people like Liz have to relate to people like Joe and vice versa. And I'm not sure either one of them is coming off fantastically in terms of that interaction on the show. Joe certainly looks the worst for it. But I think that there's something to be said for having a little respect for that. And maybe Joe's not treating Liz well enough. But Joe maybe knows some things too. Maybe he's not totally, you know, what people think he is. And I think some deference should be given to our elders sometimes. Ryan Elder? Uh, any elder, really. If a Mormon, Ryan Elder, doesn't matter. And then also Eliza tweeted, Jason is gross. 
Does he not think about how he comes off to people in his own alliance? I can see why Jen got frustrated. <laughs> yeah, but I can. I, I mean, I understand that from Eliza, but I think Jason doesn't care. I really just think that there's a zero Fs given there. Like, I really think that Jason knows the people that he needs to count on, he can count on, and I think he probably knows they're going to switch it up. And this is really what's important right now is getting rid of the people who he can't trust and can't count on later. And I just don't think he cares about it. I don't think it's that he doesn't know or has no self-awareness. I just don't think he cares. Or Kyle Drogo. Yeah, Kyle Drogo, Jason, Kyle, Hitman, whatever his name is. All right, Randy Bailey, at Randy Bailey, 1720. He tweeted, hey, Caleb, your girlfriend called. She wants her jeans back. (laughs) Randy getting, yeah, a little caddy with the fashion uh, (laughs) ribbing of Caleb. Zing, I'm so What is he saying? Beast Mode Cowboy has mom jeans? Wait a minute. Is this girlfriend like a mom? Is that or just lady jeans? Oh, lady jeans. One? Okay. Lady jeans. Just uh, so maybe some tight fitting jeans uh, that don't maybe flatter him in, in the way that maybe Randy thinks blue <laughs> jeans should flatter. I think I'm probably on Caleb's side on this one, but man, I love Randy Bailey and I think I'm very thankful. We might need some screenshots of this to see what Randy's talking about here. I'm, I'm all for it. I, the belt buckle is a part of the ensemble there. You can't leave it out, though. I'm interested in following this subplot to see where it goes. Yeah, Randy's fashion, Randy's survivor fashion blog. I'm all for it. Well, maybe we'll find out why Randy is talking about jeans because he said, uh, this episode is almost untweetable. Did you guys see that beanie that Savage wore last season on the jury? (laughs) 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 Can't resist. I love it. I love it. It's the Mr. Burns looking like a high school kid. I love it. (laughs) That's like the ultimate now Twitter go-to, I think. Just like uh, Savage's beanie. (laughs) <laughs> yep, wait, remember that, guys? Like, oh, that joke didn't work. I heard cricket noises. Better talk about Savage's beanie. I love Randy Bailey. I, I, I love Randy Beanie. Uh, Randy Bailey. Also, Randy said, <laughs> Randy Beanie. I'm now thinking that this is not only 18 newbies, but 18 that have never watched the show. Hashtag worst gameplay since Gabon. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody knows about Gabon, that's for sure. There's no bag involved here, so I think we'll be all right. I. I don't know. I think that I think he touched like some of these people have watched the yeah, show. No, Randy's I, think being, a, I think Randy was in a bad mood last night. It just again, <laughs> take out last night, Rob. <laughs> I don't know why you keep over. Like if you ever go into a deposition, Rob, say no more than you're supposed to. Like you just you, you covered it when you said I think Randy's in a bad mood. All right. Yeah. Here's some Bryce tweets. Man. Yeah. Bryce did a great job on the voicemails last week. People said they, they loved it. Uh, Bryce tweeted at Bryce Isaiah pop pop got a little bite in him lol yes throw that shade Joe (laughs) I love that he's calling Joe pop pop yeah like magnitude yes or like the mere fact that he calls Joe pop pop makes me think that Joe's not ready to win this game yeah (laughs) he also said she put her foot in her mouth SMH bad move shaking my head that means Antonio yes I'm familiar that uh that is a bad it was a bad move but turned out it wasn't the ultimate move I actually really liked the uh, Kermit drinking tea tweet that Bryce fired (laughs) off last night uh, where he just he 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 used the emoji of the frog and then the the emoji of the the tea and said uh, karma and uh, I just love that because that that the but, but that's none of my business that is that was my favorite Bryce tweet of the night he also tweeted WTF Dot, dot, dot. No, hmm, but dot, dot, dot. Ellipses. Girl, bye. Yeah, well, she, that was during the uh, implosion of Jennifer during Tribal <laughs> Council, for sure. 
Okay, Russell is back tweeting this season. That makes me very happy. Yes. Uh, Russell tweeted, Maybe I effed up the game by looking for the idols without clues. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Hashtag the OG. So Russell's taking credit for the idols being harder to find several seasons later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like how many seasons Ripple later? It's like 10, 10, 14 seasons later, seven years later, the, the idols are harder to find because of Russell. Uh, he also tweeted, now you have to look for the clue without a clue. LOL. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll give Russell credit, I guess. Not. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Sophie Clark, she tweeted, she weighed in on, on this water debate. She tweeted at Stephen Fishback, I camped and I didn't drink boiled water once on Survivor and I won. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Didn't drink water once? Yeah. <laughs> boiled <laughs> water once. Oh, boiled water. Sorry. My apologies. Yeah. So she I won, guess. But she didn't talk about what it was like after she got home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you if you follow Sophie's Twitter closely. She's been uh, tweeting a lot of pics of like a giant wound on her knee. So I, you know, are we really trusting Sophie in terms of like taking care of yourself and being healthy? I mean, I know she's got the Dr. Oz connection and she's smart about these sorts of things, but I don't know. I don't know, Sophie. Is there a correlation there? Knee. She did not drink boiled water and she won. I, I don't think so. Correlation is not equal causation. I, I just don't think that you can say that she won because she didn't drink water. I don't think that those things come together. Okay. Boy, we talked about the Tai Trang budding bromance with Beast Mode Cowboy. We talked about the Tai Trang budding tree-mance earlier in the show. But check this out. There's another bromance, I think, developing with Tai Trang. The elusive John M. Cochran tweeted to Tai Trang, you're amazing. That's it. And then Tai Trang replied, thanks at John M. Cochran. But really, all I got is my bloody feet so far on Survivor. And Cochran responded, bloody feet and the hearts of America. Oh, oh, definitely testing me. Oh, almost there. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so Cochran <laughs> is, uh, he's digging the Thai train. Listen, you speak of lawyers on Survivor. Cochran was only a law student, but, uh, you know, this is uh, this is about the gold standard, I think. Uh, he and Yul Kwan, and I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if Yul gets on Team Thai, because the, who couldn't, I, it, I would be more surprised. I want to hear right now for people that aren't on Team Thai. How could you not be on Team Thai? Uh, you got the hearts of America, the bloody feet, stealing kisses, cuddlicious, uh, taking care of the plants, the bees, the trees. This guy's amazing. I, I want him to be on every season, Rob. You know, people felt that way about Rupert at first, too. I know. I understand that. He wasn't stealing kisses. He was stealing shoes. People, I love this guy. (laughs) He's such a pirate. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand that. And Rupert was great for a while. Uh, We'll see if Ty digs a giant hole in the beach and says they should live in it. (laughs) Then we'll know if we've we've reached peak Ty or not. Peak Ty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rodney at Rodney underscore Boston uh, said, uh, Caleb and Ty don't got nothing on me and my boy Joaquin's bromance. Hashtag bash bros. What do you think? Superior bromance, Joaquin and Rodney or Caleb and Ty? Caleb and Ty, give me a break. Do we need a, a- portmanteau word for Caleb and Ty? What do we got? <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Um, can, what, let's see. We're going to have to edit the let's see out because there's going to be there's going to be a good one here. Kai, Kai. 
Traleb, uh, Beast Mode Trang Boy, uh, Beast Mode Tie Boy. I like Beast Mode Tie Boy, uh, but that really <laughs> sounds like an adventure vacation in Thailand that you're not allowed to purchase. Yeah. Um, Tylib is not good. Talib? Talib? Yeah. Tylib? Yeah, Tylib's no good. I don't know. What, what leaves Ty, it in the comments? Ty and Ty? How about K and Ty? K and Ty? K and Ty? Right, it's not, there isn't one there. Let us know in the comments. Okay. T Bird is fired up. Last night. That's good. No. Last <laughs> night. We can, that's a full sentence. No. I understand that one. All right. Uh, she tweeted, Debbie at Boston Terrier 21, you've got to love her for real. I don't even know where to start. Hashtag survivor. Hashtag meow. <laughs> uh, she also said, Wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people at the wrong. Keep talking at BIM Goddess. Believe me, please. I don't know why she wanted her to keep talking. I feel like that's how she got into this problem. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah, I a guess very she, good point. She said she tweeted that she misread the situation. Okay, I was hashtag blindsided tonight. Totally. Still thought at BIM Goddess was safe. I picked her to go far in the game. Hashtag survivor. No one's safe. Oh boy! Hopefully, uh, T Bird gets a second chance at her winner pick. Yeah, <laughs> T Bird had Jennifer in her winner pool. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> and finally, Holly Hoffman even weighed in on this. How at Holly Hoffman S twenty one? She weighed in on the water debate. <laughs> she said, "At Steve Fishback, I agree with Sophie Clark. I've camped. I also drank water that wasn't boiled, but I didn't win. So now." Throw out all the evidence. Yep, correlation, co- correlation, causation out the window. This is we're we're back to square one, Rob. <laughs> it turns out the way to win Survivor is not drinking unboiled water. Who knew? I thought it was. I thought we were onto something, but I guess For step one camp, step two drink unboiled water, step three win Survivor. It's not a a, a ver- I mean, it's not a marketable plan. We got to go back. All right. Well, Antonio, lots of fun today on the voicemails. Did we forget to talk about anything? No, not really. I mean, I we talked about the master of nuns. We talked about Debbie. We talked about Caleb and Ty. We talked about uh, just <laughs> who's this, the master uh, of nuns, Debbie. That's Debbie. She's the master of nuns. Didn't she say that? She didn't say she was master of nuns. She said she was caretaker of nuns. She's not Aziz. Oh, oh sorry. My my apologies. I miss. I just uh, in my brain, she's master of nuns. So she's a jack of all trades, Rob, and a master of nuns. Uh, yeah, I, we talked about her. You want to? <laughs> Do you want to get into uh, Jason's tattoos? <laughs> Let's leave that this for another day. It's a hot topic day. on the internet. Okay, all right. Why people are talking about that? Yes, it's on the Survivor Reddit. I know it's. I've saw. I've seen it. Uh, many all Survivor. Right, why don't you report on it. this? So, so what are you? What are you seeing on the Survivor Reddit? I'll report on it because I noticed it without noticing it on Reddit first, and I know now that I'm not crazy. Um, and maybe Jason can weigh in on this. I don't know that he has to date. If you pause. Uh, and, and get some screenshots of one of his tattoos that's on kind of his uh, his ribs. Uh, it looks like an air freshener that you'd put in your car, and it's rainbow. It looks like one of those trees. Uh, and it appears to, instead of having, let's just say it has a scent uh, based on the word that's on the tattoo that I don't think anyone would want an air freshener with that scent. Um, I'm not going to go any further. You can track it down uh, on the Survivor Reddit unless unless somebody wants me to. You can tweet at me, and I'll let you know. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> okay. I'll send you a picture right. of what the tattoo is. For more on that story, this is like yes. the, the tease for the 11 o'clock news. Find yes. out what the tattoo is. More at 11. All right. For, for more on that, uh, follow Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. Uh, two Zs, one R. You can also tweet to him. Antonio, we need a hashtag. We got a lot of options today. 
Yeah, we, we do. I don't know. What did we talk about? We talked, talked about Kyle Drogo. We talked about uh, Kalicia. Um, I don't know. Those are some Game of Thrones ones there. We might get some, uh, some, some broken spellings. What do you think, Rob? <laughs> uh, we also talked about uh, Fidmo. <laughs> Fidmo, yes. yes the Fidmo. We talked about uh, Beebs Mode Cowboy. <laughs> the Beebs Mode Cowboy. That Kyle happened. Drogo. Sure. So, uh, Antonio, it's your voicemail podcast today. You make the call. Let's go with uh, let's go with Kyle Drogo, K Y L E D R O G O. I do hope that Fidmo becomes a thing, though. <laughs> the fear of definitely missing out was out. No fear, one? I did miss out. Fear, I did miss out. Yeah, it's not a. Not, I think that's what I have is Fidmo. Yeah, that's right. fear, I did miss out. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that that happened. Okay. All right, and then of course, uh, Antonio and I will be back together talking about Better Call Saul this Tuesday after the episode airs on. Monday, you can catch all of our Better Call Saul podcasts up at postshowrecaps.com. We'll also be talking about vinyl this weekend on most shows recapped. Antonio, anything else for you? That's it for me, Rob. Thank you, as always, uh, for having me on The Voicemails. It's a real pleasure. All right. Well, Antonio, we got a big next couple days coming up still. We're just getting through the Survivor gauntlet, but we are going to be getting into previewing Big Brother Canada 4, which is coming back next week. I can't wait. A lot going on there. Also, uh, The Amazing Race is going to be back this Friday night. Who's your team in The Amazing Race, Antonio? I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love Tyler Oakley. Yeah. I'm a fan. I, I wasn't before coming into the race, but he's won me over. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about that team. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got plenty to do to start the week off with Survivor with Josh in the Wiggle Room and, of course, David Bloomberg. And we'll talk about how Jennifer lost. So make sure you don't miss any of the shows. Subscribe to Rob as a Podcast, robaswebsite.com slash iTunes or search for Rob as a Podcast in your favorite podcatcher. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Why'd Beauty have to go get angry at Ty's honesty? They caught him searching for an idol under a tree. I hope he doesn't run out of time. Could someone call Jeff Probstie? Because he just needs five more minutes. I know you know that survivors have made that mistake before. At least he replanted the trees which made us adore. He let the chickens run free with his generosity. Because he needs one more shot to get an alliance. Is it too late for Ty to say sorry? Cause he's missing more than just Caleb's body. Oh.